The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Crosswinds is now cashless. No money required. That means faster check-in, smoother service, and safer for everyone. They do accept all major credit cards, debit cards, and mobile pay, and you can prepay and save big. Crosswinds has fabulous golf, gorgeous views, unforgettable weddings, friendly staff, great rates, and just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto. Yeah, that's where I play golf, and you should too. Go to crosswindsgolf.com, and I'll see you out there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number Wayne Gretzky. Need I say more? We promise you a great podcast today. On the show, Maximum Security wins the Kentucky Derby, gets disqualified, and then the stewards at Churchill Downs refuse to explain why. And you wonder why horse racing has problems. The Blue Jays finish their road trip with an embarrassing loss to Texas, but Luke Maley may get a start after tossing a scoreless inning in a Rangers route. He's a catcher normally. Could be elimination night in the National Hockey League as the Bruins look to bounce the Blue Jackets and the Sharks try to kill off the Avalanche. The Blues force a seventh game by beating Dallas and the Hurricanes are going to be a well-rested bunch after their sweep of the Islanders. And by the way, Islander fans... You get what you deserve after the way you treated John Tavares. Okay? Uncouth you are. We'll get to the Raptors' big victory over the Sixers, of course. But first, your trivia question brought to you by Hanser's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, just north of the 401. I expect all of you to go out for a corned beef on rye today after hearing this question. Who was Wayne Gretzky's first coach in professional hockey? Whoa. His first coach in professional hockey when he got paid to play. The answer and a backstory later in the show. Wayne Gretzky's first coach in professional hockey. That's a good one. Uh, best deli in Toronto is Panthers, of course, at 3856 Bathurst. It's been my go-to place for half a century. You have to check it out. So good. Deliciosity. Call Lauren at 416-636-1230 or visit PantsersOriginalDeli.com. It's delicious. Is that a word? What? Deliciousosity. <clears throat> no, I think it's deliciosity. Okay. It's like that uh, Bill Maher uh, documentary, Religiosity. Right. I'm not sure there was a word, but it sounds good. <laughs> Danny Gallivan, cannonading drive. There is no such word as cannonading. There is now. Okay? Because it's one of those words that sounds like it should. It should be a word. Yeah, you coined it. Well, okay. If you say so. <laughs> yeah, I have a question. Yes. Is there any way that DeMar DeRozan could have pulled off what Kawhi Leonard did yesterday? Unlikely. Unlikely is uh, you're being kind. The answer is no. DeMar is really good. He's a really good player. But Kawhi is a great player, and that's why the Raptors acquired him, and that's why they're tied 2-2 in their series with uh, Philadelphia. That's why. Not because of any other individual, because Kawhi took the team on his shoulders and did what he was supposed to do when he got traded for DeMar. When I said at the time, hang on, folks, you've got an unbelievable player here. Okay, take the DeMar element out of it, the fact that you loved him and you saw him grow up in Toronto, you take that out of it, you had a chance to get one of the best players, certainly top three in all of the NBA. And you got him, and guess what? You're tied 2-2 with Philly, and you've now got the momentum. Because like I said before, there was no way the Raptors were going to play three stinkers in a row. It's just unlikely that that's going to happen. And Kawhi decided, you know, if Pascal Siakam's hurt and Kyle's having trouble shooting, and I've got to take this team over. And he, and he was awesome. And I told you they would come back to win game four. And so many people were so worried. Mo Berg, your buddy, Mo Berg. The pursuit of happiness. Right as soon as the game was over, game three, oh, that's it. Da, 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 you know, uh, I'm not confident. I, right afterwards, I said, you know what? They lot, they're going to win the next game. I've been in situations, not certainly not at this level, where my team or individually or I was playing tennis or golf where I'd had a bad game or a bad hole or a couple bad shots or whatever it was. And in a, my own mind, I said, I'm better than that. I'm going to be better. All right, this is it's one of those things. I know I'm better than this. I know I'm not the guy that hits the ball in the water. And I'm not. I, I'm not the guy that puts the ball into the net or misses in tennis. I'm not that guy. If I strike out three times in a row in slow pitch, I'm going to hit it next time up. That's just basic human nature. You can't. You know, if you're that good, eventually things will turn around for you. And you know, it took it took a couple of stinker games by the Raptors before they turned it around. But, but you you must have been nervous. I mean, we were tied going in the fourth. We hadn't been shooting well the whole game. I was, I'll be honest, I was, yeah. in that third quarter, I was thinking, oh my God, this is happening. 
We're blowing it. We're no. going to lose in the second round to the 76ers. See, I'm the optimist. This is what I say. I says you could play your worst game, your worst game of the season, and you're still leading by two points at halftime. You could be stinking the joint out, playing a horrible third quarter, right. and you're tied after three. You're tied. They were down six midway in the third. I was like, uh-oh. You know, they better get some baskets. And they did. Right. They, they got some key shots. But it looked they like game fall. two. Like, it looked like game two. And in game two, we we were unable to uh, overcome. Yeah, I didn't even think about I didn't okay. even think about game two because that's okay. ancient history. And I'm sure every guy learned from whatever mistakes there were. And that, but that was so long ago. And one thing that you can't afford to do as a professional player is think back as to what might have happened. Fans can do it. Fans can go, hey, we haven't beaten Boston since the year of the small potato. Yeah, that had nothing to do with what's going on right now. Right. Any of those guys on the floor or on the ice or whatever the sport is. I tell you right now, there's no way that a guy is thinking, oh, what, what happened back in game three? He might have thought, you know, I missed that wide open one in practice yesterday. I mean, if I can bury that in a game. But no way are they thinking back. But the fans are like, because there's all these stats available. Let's go back to game two. Let's go back to the stats. Let's go back to, here's my favorite, win probability. Like I was reading this thing today. Where, where, and of course, Kawhi Leonard hit that incredible shot. Right. When you think about it. And I had said, listen, if you're going to go down, go down fighting. And that, and that means you play Kawhi every possible minute you can. He had played, what, 36 minutes there something the other day? And I said, you got to play more than that. He played 43 minutes. And it was grueling minutes. And he had 39 points, 13 of 20 shooting, 5 of 7 from three-point land, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, played some of the best defense I've seen in all the playoffs, and he was clutch. That's the key. I don't care if he's knocking down threes early in the game and the Raptors lead by 11 or 16 or 22 points. What's he doing in the fourth quarter? And that shot that he took with just over a minute to go with the Raptors up 91-90 and Joel Embiid all over him on a switch and the, and the clock ticking down, the 24-second clock clicking down. That three-pointer, which normally he would shoot with a, a straight-on trajectory. He would what we like to call drill it. Right. Because that's what Kawhi does. He drills those. He doesn't have an arc on those things. Boom. Yeah. He, he rises up, and, and, and essentially, he is slightly over the uh, rim of the basket when he releases, and it's like a line drive, man. But, but that shot there, if it was going to be a line drive, it was going to be blocked by Embiid. So he had to put a little uh on it. And if you remember, and he'd said this before, he'd been missing shots by taking them off the front rim. Late in the game, didn't have the same jump, a little tired. He'd always knock it off the front rim if he missed. And he said, I had to, I knew <clears throat> that I hadn't been shooting. I had to get the lift on it. I had to get more arc on it. And, I, and he aimed for the back rim because he had missed them early on. This guy is, uh, surgical would be a good word. I just think that he's so, um, he just thinks only basketball. It's, uh, I, I, I can't think. Singularly focused. He's yeah, laser focused. More, yeah, more than that though. It's like, it's, it's surgical. This is a way a surgeon does. Precision, right? right? This is the way the surgeon does, except he does it with the clock winding down. It's not like the surgeon's like, well, if I don't cut this artery now, the person, you know, it's sort of like, you know, he better bleed. I better get it done. Like a bomb guy who diffuses bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a safe cracker or something like that. You've got only this much time. Right. But that, to me, that's what adds to it. Man, this guy is cool as a cucumber. I mean, the time's winding down. Everyone's going, shoot the ball already. Oh, my God. And they screwed up that play. They totally screwed that play up. He admitted afterwards they didn't know what to do, and they left it up to Kawhi, and his basketball sense allowed them to do that. I mean, it was just... It was so let me ask you, is that the biggest basket in franchise history? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, make that basket. You might not win that game. You're down 3-1. It could be all over. Right. And no offense to Vince Carter in 2001. Well, he missed that basket. Well, <laughs> in game seven. That, that would have been the biggest. Yeah, he was part. graduating. He was a busy man. Right. But that shot by Kawhi was beautiful because I don't think, I mean, look, I didn't think he was, uh, I shouldn't say I didn't think he was capable of making the shot. I thought if he's going to make a shot like that at that time, that is going to be a clutch shot. And he's clutch, Mr. Clutch. And, you know, he's so cool. Sometimes he, he, he almost lulls you to sleep. It's like, oh, no, man, what's he doing here? He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly. And I just think that that's a fabulous thing. And I think this is what we expected from Kawhi. Nothing less. This is why we got him. I mean, I mean, they're comparing his numbers to like Jordan at his best or Kobe when he was rocking. And the, the six, Kawhi numbers are better, right? Six straight 30-point playoff games. And shooting over 60% or something. 62% is sick. That's yeah. sick. But it's, <laughs> it's when he's making the shots. And the other thing is that you've got to have your best players out there in the fourth quarter. And as I mentioned last time, they were down seven to Philadelphia. Kawhi was on the bench. By the time he came off the bench in the fourth, they were down 16. In this case here, they still rested him at the beginning of the fourth with the game tied at 75. Right. And I just thought, that's pretty risky. But you know that once you put him out there, you ride him to the end of the game. He doesn't come out again 
And in fact, a lot, I think three of the starters had over 40 minutes, Lowry and, uh, and Danny Green also. You got to ride those horses. And Philadelphia did the same thing. No, no, sense, no sense checking the guy's minutes at this time of the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, because it comes home now, we have it's a best of three. The Toronto has home court advantage. Do you want to adjust your uh, predictions? Uh, no, tell no, us what you think. No, no, I still think the Raptors are going to win the series. Absolutely, I said so all along. And sometimes the adversity you need to, you know, you need to fall behind. You know, they had that one nothing series lead. We all, everyone thought, okay, game one, the Raptors are the best team. They're going to sweep. You thought, or five six games. You never know. And it doesn't matter. Look, same things happening in other NBA playoff series and in the NHL. There is no set pattern. You just don't know. All I know is this. As long as, as, long as both teams are still in it, look at St. Louis in hockey facing elimination, okay? Hardest thing to do, hardest thing to do is on home court put the hammer down to a team. Whether it's to eliminate them is mo- the most difficult, but even to go up 3-1 in a series. And Philly had a chance. They had a chance to go up 3-1. Yep. They didn't do it. By the way, does Jimmy Butler look like Ricky Henderson to you? A little bit. A bit, eh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. He's a heck of a player. <laughs> he is a really, really good player. And I thought he was very, um, afterwards when they asked him, he was just basically, you know, saying how great Kawhi was. Just talking about how fabulous he was. Oh, since we recorded Friday, we found out, of course, Pascal Siakam was doubtful for game uh, three. Yeah. And then we saw him out there. I don't know. I don't know what choice Nick Nurse had. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was this. Pascal, can you go? Well, yeah, I can go. And whatever they injected him with or whatever rest or hyperbaric chamber or cool, hot, dry, whatever, massages, uh, you know, get a rubber out there to, uh, as they like to call them, you know, to, to work on that uh, on contused thigh. Thigh contusion, is that what it was? Yeah, uh, deep, <clears throat> deep, yeah, thigh confusion, contusion, yeah. Confusion. <laughs> it's con- you I'm can't confused. say bruise. It's right. got to be, con- it's got to be, it's a lower body yeah, contusion, whatever it was. Right. And, you know, look, he started, he was 0 for 7, man. I mean, he, I mean, every time he took a shot, and then you're thinking, well, should Nick Nurse replace him? And my question was, well, who are you going to replace him with? I mean, to me, even though if, if he's not knocking down three-pointers, he, he's a still an effective player. He's a very good defensive player. He's long. He can bring the ball up court if your guards aren't playing. And uh, he ended up with a couple of dunks, a couple of backdoor plays, um, and, and certainly helped the team. Now, this shot by Kawhi, this three-pointer, which gave the Raps a 94-90 lead with about a minute one to go, said Kawhi postgame, and I quote, I just seen it with about three seconds left on the shot clock. I came off and, you know... He's long, talking about Embiid. So I just tried the fadeaway and shoot it over the top of him. Luckily, it went down. Uh, and kudos to the entire Raptors squad. Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Gasol, and especially Siakam. He, you know, he gutted it out. You know, he, he contributed to the victory, and that's the way you play it. They played as a team. Even though Kawhi was the star, they played much better as a team. Their team defense was better. And offensively, they, you know, Gasol knocked down a few shots. Gasol of, was great. And yeah, Ibaka was great. Ibaka, too. You know, you did what you had to do. My problem is with their rebounding. But that's what's going to happen when you play against a physical team like Philadelphia. It's got a lot of length. And Ben Simmons, who's supposed to be a heck of a player, I didn't even notice him playing out there. I didn't Agreed. even notice him. Yeah. Didn't even notice him. Uh, so good on the Raptors and a huge sigh of relief for some Raptors fans. I wasn't worried. Of course, I was... <clears throat> concerned, engaged, but I knew, I know that that team, you don't, you don't win as many games as the Raptors did this year, the way they won them without being able to muster up, uh, you know, the courage and the wherewithal to come back being down two games to one, which as I said, was not a big deal. <clears throat> no one's ever panicked being down two games to one ever. Oh God. We're, you know, they, if they beat us <laughs> twice more, they're going to eliminate us. It was a tie game going in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> right? You lose that fourth quarter, you're down three games to one and that's, we know we're not coming back. That's right. So that's how we, uh, razor thin. Right. But, but in all honesty, did you not have confidence in the team tied, considering what had happened in the previous two games where they were way down going into the fourth quarter, right? They were getting their asses kicked. You're tied on the road. You're tied. That's big. Philadelphia was like, oh, geez, you know, we can't. And Philadelphia wasn't knocking down shots. Toronto's defense was pretty solid. So tomorrow night, game five at the Scotia Bank Arena which does not have any statue or monument to a basketball player. And I believe Kawhi Leonard, even if he only spends one year here, that you know, there might be. And, and, and it, the best is yet to come because you know he's going to hit some clutch shot that's going to be even bigger than this one sometime during the playoffs, maybe in the NBA Finals. How about that? There's a shot of Kawhi hitting the championship winner before he, he rushed off and signed a seven-year deal with uh, the Clippers. Don't there's that me. shot of, there's Kawhi <laughs> hitting the buzzer. For, this was with a minute to go, folks, to give the Raptors a four-point lead. How about a buzzer beater when you're trailing? How about down two? 
One second to go. Kawhi, good! Raptors win! The Raptors win the championship. Joe Carter's touch them all in the NBA. Imagine that for Toronto. Just think about it. Is it not possible? Not possible in Game 7 against the Golden State Warriors in the finals? And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but who the hell cares? Way ahead of yourself. So Let's what? Get by Philadelphia so what? First. <laughs> My dream is Kawhi with that fadeaway, that step back, whatever it is, to win the NBA championship over Kevin Durant. It's good! Raptors win! Kawhi! Think about it, because it could happen. The rest of the NBA playoffs, pretty thrilling as well. Look at Denver. They lost in four overtimes to Portland on Friday. I don't care who you are. You lose a four-overtime game, you're not going to come back snappy. But they did, thanks to Canadian Jamal Murray, whose theme uh, song should be Do the Murray. Yes, by Don't you uh, think? By Los, Los Lobos. Lobos. <clears throat> He's from Kitchener, Ontario, and uh, he had 34 points, including 11 for 11 from the charity stripe. In the playoffs, 11 for 11 free throws. That's awesome. And uh, now they've tied that series two games apiece with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks can extend their lead to three games to one over the Celtics as game four goes in Beantown. That's a big one, too. These Milwaukee, just when you think they could be had, they come back. They've, um, they're, they're a heck of a team. And the Houston Rockets, and this was a great game, but a weird one in overtime against Golden State. Golden State was only down by four points with like 16 seconds to go, and they didn't even foul. Like, didn't, it was they, weird. They conceded. Uh... They basically conceded after Steph Curry blew a layup. Wow. He tried to dunk it. And then he decided, maybe I won't dunk it. And he, and he, like, he missed it. He missed a layup. It was crazy. So what's that series at now? Is that... Is that uh, two, two. two See, I, I would, have, would never have guessed that. No, no, because two. on our last podcast, I recall you saying, <laughs> oh, there's no way Houston's going to Yeah, I win. thought it was over. There's no way. I was wrong. Uh, I'm sorry, the <laughs> series is... I'm sorry, the series is 2-1, and game four is in Houston tonight. It's 2-1. If Houston wins, they will tie the series up. So they lost. They were down two love, and then Golden State could have won. You know, they went to overtime. Do you want some input from uh, someone watching right now? Uh, it depends who it is. Okay, a gentleman named Brian just says uh, his wish is that Kyle and Serge do more pick and roll. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, Coach. Appreciate it. <laughs> First thing I said this morning was, you know, if they did more pick and roll, they. No, I don't think that's a big factor. I'm kind of happy with the way things are going. They just had a win. Let's let's not uh, let's not spoil it. Nick Nurse is still too a, many cooks in the kitchen. Still a better coach than you or me. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, did you? <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I'm saying, how do you know how good a coach I am, Hebsey? Give me a chance. What's your record? <laughs> I've never lost a game. <clears throat> okay, did you see undefeated? This you see this thing? Um, it was. Um, it was on the TNT broadcast with Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith and Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley. A thing called Men of Difference. These three men uh, in um, Oxford, Alabama, uh, were in a restaurant. There was a woman, uh, 80-some-odd-year-old uh, widow, uh, eating by herself. Uh, these men asked her if she'd like to come and sit with them. She was by herself. They found out that she was recently widowed. In fact, it would have been her 60th wedding anniversary the next day, and she was by herself in this restaurant. And these three men sat with her and talked. And anyway, it went viral, the story. CBS News picked up the story, and then TNT on their broadcast. And they brought these three guys into the studio with, with all the guys. And it was fantastic. It was, and they're just called, <clears throat> excuse me, men of difference. Nice. They're just trying to make a difference. Sure. Yeah, young men, 22, 23 years of age. And I just thought that was fabulous. I cannot think of, I don't know, I know a lot of young people. I'm not, I don't know how many I would invite a stranger, a widow. Not enough, not many. sit with them in a restaurant. Yeah, very so nice. That was a great story. So anyway, <clears throat> look them up, men of difference. So the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think I predicted, no, I know I predicted the St. Louis Blues would win their series against Dallas. They were facing elimination yesterday. They throttled the Stars 4-1 to one in Dallas to force a seventh and deciding game tomorrow night in St. Louis. And as I said before, and you'll ask any athlete, the toughest thing is to win that series clincher did at you see, home. Did you see home. the play with uh, Ben Bishop got hit and he went down yeah. like he was hurt? And then the play continued. And of course, uh, Steen scored. Right. And it was a, kind of a backbreaking goal there. Uh, what do you think should happen? Like, I guess that's how it, you got to let him play it out. Like if a guy goes down, you can't play dead. I don't know what the rule is there. Like, I guess they played the refs played that right. Well, the <clears throat> excuse me, the rules in the discretion of the referee. If he feels that the player is injured badly, uh, he would stop the play immediately. So if there was blood gushing, oh, like Clint Blarchuk. Yes, exactly right, exactly right. In this particular case, he felt that the play should go on. Um, Dallas never did get possession. The puck came off of um, Bishop's collarbone uh, to Steen, who fired it towards the net, I believe, and it was tipped in. 
Right. It happened, I would say, like two seconds after he was down. Right. Whether he was writhing in pain or not, that's the official's call. Jim Montgomery, the coach of Dallas, even said so as much. And even though that was a backbreaker, that made it three to one. And then he got replaced after the four one goal a couple minutes later. Um, no, the rule is as it should be. It's up to the discretion of the official. If the guy is badly, badly hurt and he can't defend the goal, right? Right. And, and then, then he would stop the play. But I think in that case there, St. Louis had possession of the puck. You, you can't just blow the whistle dead. They got an empty net. The goalie's down and out. He, I mean, that's part of playing goal. You might get hit by a puck and not be able to get up so fast. Right. Right. If it rips his mask off that's and different. he's in danger of whatever, again, it's, it's the discretion of the official. But I don't think anybody, and certainly Jim Montgomery, I don't think anyone from Dallas that I could see had complained that that play should have been whistled dead. But it's something you don't see very often. Not at all. So um, it's going to be tomorrow night. That's game seven in St. Louis. And, you know, the visiting team has won four of the six games in that series. St. Louis has lost one road game in the entire playoffs. Unbelievable. They were last place in, like, what was it, January? January the 3rd. It it shouldn't be that way, but it's exciting. And they got some really good players, St. Louis. You know, Petrangelo is a heck of a defenseman. My favorite player is Ryan O'Reilly. Because every time I see him, I think of Baba O'Reilly, the song by The Who. I just can't help it. I call him Baba O'Reilly. And if you ever watch Oz on HBO, did you ever yeah, watch Oz? Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is the character. Right. And it, what a fabulous show that is. Uh, the Boston Bruins can eliminate Columbus tonight in Ohio. Boston leads the series three games to two. Same goes for the San Jose Sharks, who can win their series with the Avalanche tonight in Denver, up three games to two. So two occasions where the visiting team has a chance to clinch. Now, I would think that the home team facing elimination would be as desperate as it comes in front of your, but at the same time, your fans are going to be nervous as hell. I mean, I can't imagine going to a game at home where my team could be eliminated one mistake and it could be all over eliminated. So that's, that's edge on the seat, uh, edge of your seat, hockey being eliminated. Not as much if you can clinch, but, but if you could, you know, you're at home and you can help your team not be eliminated, prolong the series. That's pretty exciting. And I was happy to see uh, those jerks, sweep out the, oh. the Islanders. Oh. I love those jerks. Well, because the Islanders, and I look, I'm sure the Islander players are nice guys, but man, those fans, like the Islander players should have said at some point, you know, we, you know, look, we want our fans to be better. We want our fans to be more respectful. We want our fans to be more considerate. We don't want our fans acting like animals. I didn't hear that from the Islanders. I didn't hear Islanders going, admonishing their fans. And I wouldn't even call these people fans anyways, the ones that, you know, were booing Tavares or saying stuff like that. Right. But, but you know what? Um, karma's a bitch, man. <laughs> you know, you got into the playoffs. Yes, you, the Leafs got eliminated in the first round, and you guys got through. That's all well and good. You beat Pittsburgh, wah, wah, wah. And then you got your... They only won one more game than your, we did. Your head's handed to right. you. you. Okay, you got swept by Carolina, guys. Got swept by Carolina. So next time, uh, next time John Tavares comes into your arena, show a little bit more respect, okay? The Blue Jays. Return home to play the Minnesota Twins beginning tonight at the Dome. Uh, Toronto with a miserable weekend in Texas, even though uh, they did win uh, one nothing on Friday night, a 12-inning affair. Twelve, You know that I watched a 12-inning baseball game and a four-overtime basketball game. That's a lot and of And then TV. got up the next morning to watch soccer. I mean, I, I'm out of my <laughs> mind here. Yeah. You, know, you don't think this is the show that everyone would like. I love this show because there's, I've just been watching so much sports. <clears throat> Yesterday, the Jays lost 10-2, uh, and that saw starter Clay Buckholtz. Uh, confirming the fact that he just can't pitch anymore. <laughs> I mean, when we got him, did you know anyone that went, hey, we got Buckholz, we got a chance this year? No. This guy was just to fill out a roster spot. He really was. And he was a name. First of all, he takes forever to pitch. Second of all, he went four innings and gave up seven earned runs. And Charlie Montoyo had to empty his bullpen the rest of the way before tapping catcher Luke Maley on the shoulder and saying, Luke, I need you to go in there for the eighth. And as Luke goes to get his catcher's equipment on, he goes, no, no, I need you to pitch. I need you to pitch. Now, Luke Maley had never pitched an inning in his professional career. He had played 24 games at first base, the rest at catcher. What does he do in the eighth inning? With his team trailing 10 to 2, and the players looking on from the dugout, laughing, wondering what Luke could do. Yeah. He gets the Rangers 1, 2, 3, including a strikeout of Sin Su Chu. Nice. Now, if you're a position player, and you get a chance to face a position player who's pitching, and you and you not only make out, but you 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 strike out, man. That's a humiliating, embarrassing experience. Your team won ten to two. That's great, but I'm sure that Sin Su Chu was not happy about the fact that he got struck out by a guy who has never pitched in the major leagues. Before. Probably that changeup. <laughs> but when whatever, they're all changeups, it's not it called a changeup. I think it was an 87 mile an hour fastball. I think he caught him oh, on man. the inside corner with an 87 er. Uh, anyway, so there you go. So um, it brings new meaning to the term comic relief. 
when the oh. players are laughing really hard, even though they're getting blown out. They're laughing their asses off at one of their teammates who's attempting and doing successfully pitching. The other thing is, is that if you're a relief pitcher for the Jays, if you're Joe Biagini or you're Giles or you're Tapera, you're like, hey, this guy makes it look easy. He's a catcher and he gets a one, two, three inning. You know, I'm working my ass off. I pitch for a living. This is my job. I can't get guys out. This guy gets about one, two, three. Crazy. Um, did I mention uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. at all? And no. No, and you know Have why? We, is he on the trading block? No, he hasn't done anything. <laughs> so, I mean, the Vladdy watch is sort of over now. It's kind of, you know what I mean? There's no, oh, he's hitting five consecutive games, or ooh, he's, uh, uh, you know, they even got rid of Alan Hansen, his designated uh, uh, pinch runner. Right. Uh, got rid of him um, because he sucks. And well, because, as per and because, your desire, I heard you say you wanted him gone. Long uh, gone. DFA'd or whatever. But you know who got him fired? You know who got him got, gone? Sanchez, Aaron Sanchez. Because Sanchez, after the game the other night, were. Alan Hansen made one error, actually made three errors, and only got charged with one. After the game, without mentioning Hansen's name, Sanchez basically said, We've, you got to catch that ball. We have to make those plays. We have to make those. We. Right. I mean, it was Hansen who dropped the ball. We have to make those <laughs> plays. We can't let. Well, that was pretty much it for Alan Hansen right there. He was done. So, um, so Vladdy is, uh, was 0 for 4. He's 5 for 30 in his career with no homers and one RBI. He got his first Major League RBI on Saturday. Hey, Vladdy got an RBI. Way to go. He'll be fine. So he's is he 19 or 20. I want to know he's if we should give up on this guy. No, yet. he's 20. No, not give up on him. The other thing is, is that he's Joke's learning. Kid. He's learning at the major league level things like the shift. Did you see he made a play yesterday? Look, he's a third baseman. He's playing behind the bag at second in the shift. Ball goes off the pitcher, ricochets to him. He's in sort of short center field, pivots around, throws the guy out. So he looks like he can play. And also, I saw him run first to third the other day. The guy can run pretty good. Why were they putting a pinch runner in for him? <laughs> what was the point? Load management. Yeah, he's, he looks like a bit of a pant load, but he can still go. <laughs> he's got some wheels. Uh, Jays play Minnesota tonight. Oh, let's hope. One other thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric Sogard, who's been unbelievable, and I told you as soon as he arrived that he's going to be a calming influence on this young team. Since being recalled for Buffalo, he's hitting 375, and he's walked 10 times and only struck out five times. Now go find me another player in the major leagues that's got twice as many walks as strikeouts. A, a hitter, come on. In this day and age of strikeouts? And he hit another home run yesterday. That's his career-high fourth homer of the year. And unfortunately, he had to, again, endure the childish celebration of one Teoscar Hernandez, who continues to sprinkle any guy who hits a home run with sunflower seeds. Now, grab a handful of them and like toss them at the guy like they're rice at a wedding. Something like that. Yeah. But to take the bag, <clears throat> right, and, and um, rip the bag and then sprinkle, you know, the bag over the guy's head and down his shoulder, down his shirt as he's going through the dugout. It just looks so stupid. It's, it's like dumb. dumb. And it's one thing if you're, you know, you're leading the East or something and you're on a roll. Not even. No, not even. No, not it's even. worse. It's worse if you're They're a bunch the of jerks. Is that what you're saying? Is, is <clears throat> no. he a jerk? I'm saying Teoscar Hernandez is a jerk for doing <laughs> right. Stop this. Come up with something else. Or unless, is this what the kids are doing these days? And I'm missing out on this, Mike. I don't know. Do I, your children do it? Do they at the at the, when no. your kids are playing sports? Do they sprinkle the other? No, I haven't with? seen it yet. Uh, it hasn't caught and on yet. And hopefully, it never will. Uh, Jays, Minnesota tonight at the Dome. Marcus Stroman on the hill against Twins lefty Martin Perez, who is four and zero. Oh. By now, you've likely heard about what happened at the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. If you haven't, climb out from under the rock that you've been living. I know that you may not be a horse racing fan, because it's not Kentucky Derby. Come there's on. There's three races everyone should be watching, right? The, well, there's uh, more. There's more. Than that. Okay. There's the oh. Queen's Plate, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont. The, That's a lot of horse for, I'm talking the non-fans. Okay. The non-fans is the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. There's always an event and uh, where the, the casual, the non-fan will pay attention to. A big event. Um, you know, in, in England, it's the uh, Grand National Steeplechase. You could never go to a horse race. Oh, you get dressed up, you put the hats on, it's a big deal. Same with the Queen's Plate here, and of course, the Kentucky Derby, 145 years running that. So, so the favorite is a horse named Maximum Security. <clears throat> now, for you tragically hip fans, the winner of the Queen's Plate last year was ahead by a century. I told, I don't, I don't bet. I told Jake Gold, our, our friend, who was going to the Queen's Play, went, and I said, you got to bet this horse ahead by a century. I like the horse. I like the name, too, but I like the horse without the name. If it had a different name, I still would have bet the horse. But the fact that the horse was called ahead by a century, huh, I'm sorry. I see Jake Gold on the Periscope feed right now. So. Yeah, Jake's there. So anyway, Jake, Jake, so I, anyway, um, so ahead by a century wins the Queen's Play. So, so this year in, in the Kentucky Derby, there's a horse called Maximum Security. And if anyone is a Tragically Hip fan, they know the lyrics to 38 years old, right? Two yep. men broke loose from 73, from Millhaven 
Maximum, maximum security. security. <clears throat> so the horse wins the race, crosses the finish line first. Maximum security down the stretch. And as, as soon as he won, I texted Jake to say, hey, did you have ma- like a head by a century, maximum security? And then they took the horse down. They oh. took the horse down. So anyone who bet this horse, and I didn't even bet the horse. I had no skin in the game, but I had said that I liked the horse. Yeah. Um, once the horse crossed the finish line first, the celebration began in earnest. Sure. People were going, you know, if you had a bet you on You won the horse, Kentucky Derby. You, but if you had a bet on the horse, which many people did, the horse was favored. Yeah. You're thrilled. Pay, paying off a pretty good price. It, would, it was four to one. Uh, the owner's thrilled. The trainer's thrilled. The jockey's thrilled. Everybody that bet on the horse is thrilled. Everybody is, wait a minute, hold all tickets. Big sign flashes, an inquiry has been lodged. Okay, an inquiry means that a jockey on one of the other horses, not the winning horse, uh, is claiming foul. Now, sometimes that jockey, the jockey might claim foul on the horse that finished second, that had bumped him, right? But the claim of foul was against the winner, maximum security. Now, what, what transpired after that was as bizarre a scene as I had ever seen. As bizarre as when the Finnish women's hockey team thought they had won the world championship by beating the United States in overtime. And then their celebration sadly ended prematurely because they reviewed the play and determined that there was a penalty and the goal didn't count. Remember we went over that? It was only a couple weeks ago. Well, this was 22 minutes of agony, agony. As second place finisher country house was eventually uh, awarded the victory because the stewards decided to disqualify maximum security. Now, if you know anything about horse racing, you've got to stay in your lane, okay? And if it's a three-year-old horse that might tend on a muddy track or whatever to drift a little bit, yeah, the jockey's got to keep that horse in line. If that horse drifts out of his lane or her lane into other horses, that can cause problems. And if you've ever seen an accident in horse racing, it's horrible. It's horrible because if a horse gets clipped, a horse goes down, not only is that horse and the jockey in danger, but all the other horses that are behind them are in danger, serious danger. There have been deaths. There have been serious injuries. Many, many horses have died or had to be euthanized on the track because of accidents in horse racing. Right. They're going 40 miles an hour. So the rule is this. If you can't control your horse and your horse drifts out and bumps another horse and impedes that horse, A, it could have been a serious accident, and B, what you did was against the rules of racing. And if the stewards, the officials, they're called in horse racing, they're called stewards, decide, determine, after a lengthy video review of 22 minutes, that you indeed did uh, something that, that deserved disqualification, that's what happened. And if you look at the replay, and all the experts say the same thing, the question was this. If it was the first race of a Tuesday afternoon at uh, Monmouth Park in New Jersey, they throw the horse out, no problem. That horse is gone because that horse, that was an serious infraction, could have caused serious danger, and that horse gets taken down. But in the Kentucky Derby, where it had never happened before in 144 previous races, that the horse that finished first, okay, was disqualified from the race uh, at that time. There was one other one in 1968 where the horse that won uh, um, ended up a couple days later, failed a drug test, and then the purse money from that horse uh, went to um, uh, went to the second place horse in that. But here, the horse won the race, was the best horse in the race. And people determined, or some of them experts determined, that even though, um, even though maximum security was the best horse in the race and would have likely won the race anyway, <clears throat> right? Um, they still couldn't determine that he deserved to win it, and they took the horse down. Uh, Country House didn't even lodge the foul. And, and if you looked at the uh, evidence... Uh, country house, the, uh, the second place horse, barely was bumped or touched. It was sort of the second or third in a little chain reaction kind of thing. And the, the jockey on the horse that was bumped heavily did not lodge a claim of foul because he, he finished up the track. So it wasn't going to do any good for him. If he finished 12th, if he lodges a foul against the winner, he gets moved up to 11th. Big deal. So he didn't bother that particular jockey. But the stewards decided that they were going to take the horse down, which they did. Wow. What does that do to horse racing? A sport that's already struggling, a sport that's going down the tubes, that if it weren't for a race like the Kentucky Derby to bring 150,000 people out and millions more on television to see what kind of hats people are wearing or what kind of slickers they've got on in the pouring rain, uh, then they wouldn't even televise it. So this is your one marquee event. This is your prima event. And the, uh, the other thing is, whoever wins the Kentucky Derby, you've now got a captive audience for the Preakness, the second jewel, because whoever won the Derby has a chance to go for the Triple Crown if they win the Preakness. All of that. Right. And they've rooted. And the stewards did not 
offer an explanation to the media afterwards. <clears throat> the trainer, sure, talked, talked until he was blue in the face. The jockey explained everything. Uh, the other trainer, the other jockeys, every other owner and trainer all had an opinion. But the stewards would not comment, which I just thought was incredibly unprofessional. And even and the media is entitled to know. We need an explanation. What was the reason for calling it? Why did you, <clears throat> why, why did you, why didn't you just let it go? Uh, there was no damage done to Country House. No, this jockey didn't claim foul. Why would you do it? And the answer is because that's that's the rules of racing. You can't come out of your lane if you're running in lane one on the rail and you drift out to lane four. You can't do that, and that could cause a serious accident. So they took the horse down. I wonder what it does. And Luis Saez, who was the jockey on them. Um, on um, maximum security was just the poor guy because he admitted, he said, look, the horse got away from me a bit, but I, I don't think I did any damage or, you know, I don't think I caused problems for the other one. And then the ultimate thing was, who was the best horse in the race? Well, it's pretty obvious. It was maximum security. And that's the tough part is the best horse didn't win, <clears throat> right? Because the best horse committed an infraction. Yeah, uh, don't bury the lead. My wife picked the winner, Country House, which was 65 to 1. Did she have money on it? No. So she didn't pick the winner. She did. We all, had, we all had to pick a horse. She picked Country House. Yeah, there's no money, though. So it's great to say it, and that's nice. Pride but would is she have, would she have, But would she have put, would Monica have put actual money down? I wouldn't have let her at 65 to 1. I'd be like, don't throw your money away. <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if the horse, what if Country House was 10 to 1? Yeah, I would let her put a couple of bucks down, ten bucks, whatever. By the way, ten I had bucks. max. I had no. Yeah. I'm a big spender. High roller. I I had uh, maximum security. Was my horse for what it's worth. So I was the it's winner. Not, but until it's not I worth was anything, nine. Mike. Mike, it's not worth it. I admitted. I said, look, I like the horse, but I I'm not a better. So I can't go say, hey, I told you, maximum security. Or no. So, so it's great to say that you had country house, but did you have the horse? Did you? Have, do you have the money? Do you have the ticket? No. <clears throat> so you didn't have the horse. Okay, so uh, what's going to happen with horse racing? Who knows? It's already dying a slow death, and this event will be highlighted for years to come. I guarantee you, years from now, years from now, people will still be talking about, oh, yeah, horse racing. Isn't that where the horse won the race, and they took the horse out because the, they disqualified him the only time? That's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember the name of the horse. Like Dancer's Image from 1968, they're going to remember maximum security, uh, getting disqualified more than they're going to remember 65-to-one-shot country house. Which, by the way, the horse didn't win the race. Didn't right. cross the finish line first. Right. Kind of got bumped up. I was like, hey, by the way, because that was the weird part. When they announced that the horse had been taken down Country House, there was this delayed reaction. And then the owner of, uh, sorry, Country House, the owner of Country House kind of looked at the jockey and went, we won! Yeah. <clears throat> it was that delayed reaction. Like, we thought we had finished second or whatever. And now it's like, we won. But we're used to this at the Olympics. Like, you'll see a speed skater went out of their lane and they'll disqualify the winner. And it's like, oh, the guy who finished second suddenly is the gold medal winner. It's, uh, yeah, that doesn't, it happens. Yeah, that short track speed skating. I see it in a couple yeah, times. Yeah, that's, right. that's the one, short yeah. track, right. Yeah. But what about Ben Johnson? Yeah, right, right. I mean, the Ben Johnson one. I mean, he didn't go out of his lane or anything like that, but there's many no. ways to be disqualified. How about the Canadian team that lost the baton that time in the World Championships? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. dropped the baton, literally dropped the baton. Yeah. Or illegal uh, uh, baton, uh, what's that called? Hand off, in, hand in, off. The, in the right. zone, right? If you're over the line. If you're over you're, the zone. Right. So it's happened before, but not in a, an event of this magnitude. Remarkable. Did you see Donald Trump's tweet about it where he called it a political, he blamed political correctness? Is of that course, guy... Uh, of course he did. Yeah, that guy needs uh, some or, psychological evaluation. Of course think, he did. Yeah. The other thing too is Donald Trump, he'll tweet on the most random things. Like, you can just see him. He's sitting at home at the White House. He just going, watches TV. Hey, go, turn on the Kentucky Derby, <clears throat> right? Because he probably knows all these horse owners. No, I mean, they probably talked about it on Fox News is what probably happened. <laughs> it made the Fox News, and he saw the highlight, and he's like, that's wrong. And he tweets about it. Yeah. But, he, but he's, when it comes to sports, or, or even, like, did he not comment about, he's always got to comment about the national anthem at a, at a football game or this or that. He's got, he seems to be in the realm of the sports tweets more mm. than, you know, any other Pre well, I mean, president. I don't still. know. Obama picked all those March Madness. Uh, he was pretty good at picking the, the uh, at least having a, given it a go for the March Madness and stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Got it. Okay, that's it for horse racing. That's it for the. Sport and Nixon's a bowler. Him. Remember, Nixon put the bowling alley in the uh, White House. And and Eisenhower was a golfer. <laughs> right. So right. they all have their own little, little thing. Yeah, had a little nine hole course in the back. Uh, speaking of golf, I hope to be playing a lot of golf this weekend. Because um, by now you probably know I play at Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. The course is in fabulous shape. They've made some huge improvements over there. <laughs> For those of you watching at home, I'll be wearing one of the... Uh, what color cap would that be, Mike? Mar maroon. That's maroon? 
Because it was my high school color was maroon and gold. That's maroon. Yeah. Oh, God, I would never wear maroon and gold. <laughs> we had no choice. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what, what do you have to know about Crosswinds? Well, you have to know this. It's completely cashless. Just bring your card. That's all you need. Secondly, uh, they've got a whole new fleet of golf carts with GPS and everything. Really cool. State of the art. Very cool. And they're fast. These golf carts can go. I'm Sounds zero, dangerous. Zero to 60 in, well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and thirdly, the people at Crosswinds are just going to, they're going to make you feel welcome. They're going to make you feel like you're a member, like it's a private club. You know, hello, nice to see you. How are you? And uh, they're just going to make you feel good about yourself and about your game. The views are spectacular. The food is sumptuous. The golf is outstanding. Uh, uh, weddings? You know, someone who's looking to get married down the road, maybe? Golf, uh, the golf course that you want to go to is Crosswinds. Beautiful banquet facilities there. Uh, go to crosswindsgolf.com and see all they have to offer. Amazing. By the way, 99 episodes. This is the 99th episode. I think we mentioned the name Donald Trump for the very first time a couple of minutes ago. We did? Yeah. And someone on the Periscope feed chimes in to say, quit talking Trump. Okay. So there you go. One time in 99 episodes. No did I ever tell you, I told you the time I, you know, I interviewed Donald Trump many times when he was the owner of the uh, New Jersey Generals football team. Right. At Herschel Walker. USFL. Yeah. He, he never turned down an interview. Never uh-huh. met a microphone he did not like. So full of himself. Let's talk some soccer now, because I spent some time watching and, and agonizing over soccer this weekend. Uh, TFC won a convincing 2-0 decision over Orlando Saturday. That was a good game. Uh, the Reds now with 16 points in just eight games. That's good for fourth in the East, and they have three games in hand on the leaders, the teams ahead of them, Philadelphia, uh, D.C., and Montreal. So Wednesday, they will travel to Atlanta to play Atlanta United FC, and you know, Mike, that the defending MLS Cup champions are... I don't know. Atlanta United oh, FC. I should have known Now that. you know. Okay? You can get educated on this show. The Mercedes-Benz uh, <clears throat> new stadium. That's right? right. In England, my Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, my. Uh, looked like they backed into a top four spot after Arsenal could only earn a draw at, with Brighton. And Man U, Manchester United, could only draw with soon-to-be-relegated Huddersfield. Mike, you and me and your daughter, uh, your two daughters <laughs> and your two sons. <laughs> Uh, and and your neighbors could probably give Huddersfield a good run for their money. They're terrible. So it looks like, uh, well, unless the Spurs lose by four goals and Arsenal wins by four goals next week, uh, they will, they'll get in and Arsenal will be out. And the Spurs have the second leg of the Champions League semifinal against Ajax of Amsterdam Wednesday. They trail 1-0 after the first leg, 1-0, uh, and need two away goals to advance to the final. I know this might be, if you're not a soccer fan, like, uh, confusing to you, but I don't get up at 6.30 in the morning on Saturdays because I want to go for a run or a bike ride. I get up to watch soccer. That's ridiculous. Ungodly hour. Last week in Philadelphia, I got up at 6 in the morning, Yeah, took two trains to get to an Irish bar that was open at 7 a.m. so I could watch um, Tottenham Hotspur play. Wow. Okay, is, I, I, is this I, Champions League? This is a big deal, of course. This is uh, well, what? Champions League is during the week. Yeah, they're, okay, they're in the semifinal. But this is gotcha. the this is for the uh, EPL, Premier. the, the Premier gotcha. League Championship, gotcha. right? And if you finish in the top four, you get to play in the Champions League the following year. You're in the main draw of the Champions League. Gotcha. So they've got so they've been playing just terrible soccer. They've been playing horrible. They lost to Bournemouth, and they had two guys kicked out of the game. Two guys, two straight red cards. Unbelievable. I've never seen this before. And then they're hanging in there and thinking, maybe we can still get a point. Maybe it's still in the 90th minute. They're still scoreless. Only playing nine men against the other 11. And then they give up a late goal to Bournemouth, the Cherries. Bournemouth. And now everyone, all Spurs fans are going, oh my God, this is horrible, horrible, because it would come down to the final week, which is next week. And they're at home to Everton. And they're going, oh my God, the way they've been playing, they can't even score. And then what happens is they back in because they're two rivals that are, you know, both drew. And everyone expected Man U to win for sure. And for sure, Arsenal was going to win over Brighton. And they didn't. They choked and gagged and they, and they drew. So Spurs are in. Very exciting about that. On my way back from our last podcast, Mike, I'm on the subway. Yeah. And there's a gentleman, I'd say early to mid-20s. And he's got a Tottenham Hotspurs uh, pullover on. And I got my toque, and I'm like, hey, I point to him, and he points, and we have a little conversation before I get off the train. I'm on going off at the next station, and a little conversation. What do you think about against Bournemouth, blah, 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 blah. And then um, I say to him, uh, hey, you got to listen to my podcast. I said, we talk Toronto sports. He's, got right. a, he's also got a Dunedin Blue Jays cap on. So he's got a Dunedin Blue Jays cap and a Tottenham Hotspur top. My kind of guy. It's like your mirror. And he's yeah. like my son's age. And I'm like, hey, where are you going to be watching the game and all that? And I said, so I said, oh, you got to listen to my podcast, Hebsey on Sports. We talk Toronto sports and we talk Tottenham Hotspur. So hopefully you're listening, whatever your name is. I never even got your name. <clears throat> and that you're uh, feeling pretty good about uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs. By the way, um, the other final 
The other finalist in the Champions League is either going to be Barcelona or Liverpool. Like, likely Barcelona because they're up 3-0 on Liverpool after the first leg. When Dale on the Periscope says Huddersfield, uh, what does Huddersfield, does that mean something? Huddersfield Town is horrible. That's the team that Man- Manchester United drew with. Okay, okay. They should have beat them 15 to nothing. Gotcha. They're a horrible, horrible team. Gotcha. And uh, Man U couldn't do any better than a draw, which is just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So gotcha. Thank you. thank you for that, Dale. By the way, uh, someone else on Periscope <clears throat> wants to know if you have any thoughts on tennis, if you want to uh, quickly. Yeah. Felix. Uh, well, it was the first round of the, uh, <clears throat> I think it's the Madrid Open on clay. And um, Felix Ojealiasim beat his buddy, Denny Shapovalov, 6-2, uh, 7-6, quite handily. And um, so for now, he's the better player. As Canadians, we, we don't want them seeing, play- we don't want them playing each other. Right. Because we don't know who to root for. I don't know if I like... And then one has to get eliminated. So we, we want right. them both to move so on. So do I like... Do Like, if I was to ask you, who do you think is a better player? Who's going to go further, Shapovalov or Oje Aliassim? Felix, yeah. I would say Shapovalov, simply because he's ranked higher than Felix. He's 20th in the world. So I would expect he's a better player. But But... After they played each other, Felix was the better player in that match. He's got the more upside. I think he's rising quickly. Yeah. You don't think Shapovalov is rising as quickly? <laughs> Listen. His rise has already taken place. You're the tennis expert. No, I'm not but, an expert, uh, though. I, I'm asking people you. Are, when I ask well, the Let's experts. ask the people that are listening on, um, on Periscope right now while the show's still going on, because they're not going to be able to once we're done with the show, if they're watching the repeat. Damian Cox tells me Felix could be a number one, but he doesn't believe Shapo can be a number one. So, therefore, it's, it's tainted my thoughts on all very this. Very interesting. So. And they're both pretty much the same age. I mean, Felix is 18 yeah. or 19 and Denny just turned 20 or something like that. So they're pretty, they're about a year apart. Right. So, hmm. I think, I think both, put the money on Felix. Is I think what they I both have a great upside. I don't even want to make the bet as to who's better, <laughs> you know, because now we're going to get into, well, who is better, uh, Gretzky or Lemieux? Well, it depends on the day. I mean, Gretzky in his prime was a great player. He had better players surrounding him. It's a tough one, but you're right. When they play each other, that's when you can determine head. That's the only way. Yeah, who beats who head to head? Who beats who head to head? And right. we want to see them both in there. All right, the time now for Hockey Confidential. Brought to you by Titans Performance Blades. Just about every NHL player out there is skating on Titan Blades. Why aren't you? And I know you got summer leagues coming up or your kids are going to summer camp because they want to play AAA next year, whatever the deal is. You got to get Titan Blades. Uh, they bring the pro shop to you. Custom blades, man. You send the blades to them. They'll sharpen them. They'll put logo, your team's logo or the kid's name or whatever. Anything on. It's great. So skate faster, be better. Go to TitanBlades.com for more intro. Now, we're celebrating episode 99 on the podcast today. Now, for those of you who think this is the George Mikan episode, you're wrong. He was, the original, he was the original 99. I need some perspective here. Wayne Gretzky was not the first player to go, I'd like to wear number 99. It's been done before, stock car racing. But in basketball, before the days of where, you, where you're, the number couldn't exceed uh, a digit of five, either your first or second digit, because an official, when he, when he uh, calls you for a foul, he's, you know, fouls on number 55. He, he, t- he uses five fingers twice. If the foul was on number 88, it would be too tough. He'd have to have five and three and then do it again, and then the scores table's going, what, what number was that guy again? So the numbers in basketball up until a few years ago had pretty much always been, they had to be under a certain number, except for the Boston Celtics, John Havlicek, the late John Havlicek, just about 17. Right. Bill Russell was six. But every other team, their numbers did not exceed 55 as far as a, the number of digits. No digit higher than five. And back early, early in the days of basketball, they hadn't thought of that yet. So George Mikan, the center for the Lakers, the Minneapolis Lakers, folks. That's why they're called the Lakers. They originated in Minneapolis. Land ten. Minneapolis is in Minnesota. Minnesota is the state with 10,000 lakes. Ergo, the Lakers. So George Mikan wore jersey number 99. He was a big, tall guy, seven foot one with glasses. That were, I think he had a rubber band around the back of the glasses. They wouldn't fall off while he was playing. Sure. Odd looking guy, but still seven feet and a good player. So he was number 99. The original 99. But of course, we all know Wayne Gretzky's number 99. And that's why we have the Wayne Gretzky story here on Hockey Confidential. So when Sportsline, the television show that I did myself, Jim Taddy, for many, many years, when it aired on global television in its prime, at its peak, Wayne Gretzky was the best player in the National Hockey League. So we're talking, you know, I was there from 1984 to 1995. So that's, that's Gretzky's career, right in the middle. And of course, the first few years, he was with the Oilers. Now, when the show was in its prime... I wasn't all aware, nor was Jim, I don't think, how many people watched Sportsline outside of Southern Ontario. We knew that people on Global watched it, but, you know, but we didn't think outside the you know, Toronto, Hamilton, Golden Horseshoe kind of thing, maybe London. We'd get letters from Western University, hey, we watch your show all the time, maybe up in North Bay, but we didn't think of the actual scope. 
Like we didn't think people in Ottawa watched Sportsline because Sportsline was a Toronto-based show. Right. And people in Ottawa, we figured, even though the Senators hadn't arrived yet at the time, we figured people in Ottawa were Montreal fans or Ottawa Rough Rider fans or whatever the case was. Little did we know that people all over who loved hockey or just liked our style watched the show because not only was it available on Global and all its repeater stations all over Ontario, it was available on satellite, Anik D2, Transponder 4. Now, I'm talking about those big dishes that people used to have in their backyards or the ones that were on the top of bars. You'd go to a bar and they'd have pay-per-view or whatever. Those 10-foot dishes, command performance uh, satellite dishes, the big ones. This is back in the 80s and 90s. If you wanted to watch something from outside of your cable system, this is the way you had to do it. So unbeknownst to us, a lot of people who heard about Sportsline because it was a cult following found people or knew people that had satellite dishes. And many hockey players, we found out, purchased satellite dishes for their parents, for their families, back home in Canada, so they could watch them play. If you played for the St. Louis Blues, you, you lived in Ontario or wherever, you, you couldn't get those games on television. Right. Maybe once in a blue moon, they're on Hockey Night in Canada. But you could watch every game on the satellite. And if you couldn't, you could get the highlights from Global Television's Sportsline every night at 11.30. So you could sense. see. So Mr. and Mrs. Featherstone could see if their son Glenn of the Blues had scored a goal, right? Mr. and Mrs. Mahar from, uh, from Belleville, Ontario, could be watching to see if their boy Rick Mahar had scored or had, was part of the highlights. So we used to get these phone calls from people saying, hey, like one time I got a call from, do you remember Rem Murray played for the Edmonton Oilers? He's from Dublin, Ontario, but his birthplace was Stratford. So... So, of course, you want a personalized thing. So, he had scored a goal, and I said, oh, Rem Murray of the Oilers from Stratford, Ontario, scores the game-winning goal, blah, blah, blah. We, I get a phone call as soon as I'm off the air. Hi, this is Rem Murray's uncle. You said he was from Stratford. He's from Dublin. <laughs> I like that. You got the name wrong. Even the time. Curtis Joseph's wife, Nancy, came to me one time and says, can you please tell people to stop saying that Curtis is from Keswick, Ontario? He's not. He's from Queensville. Or Sharon. He's from Sharon, Ontario, which is up north of Newmarket. But he was born in Keswick. But she was like, could you please not say, tell people that he's not from Keswick. Stuff like that. So what happens? I'm doing the games on global TV. I'm the host of the global television telecasts, mm -hmm. uh, taking over for Dave Hodge, who said a few unfortunate words that they didn't like. And I was on the telecast at the time, but I ended up taking over as the host from Dave. Uh, and we did a game in Edmonton one time. And um, so what do we know? People from Edmonton watch the Edmonton sports cast. They don't watch sports. We don't know sports. We don't know anything about that. Uh, anyway, the night before a game, there's a pizza joint that was a pretty popular place that we went to. Go in, and who's there? Wayne Gretzky. The great one. Now, I see him, and he sees me, and I don't know that he knows me. I have no idea that he knows who I am. His eyes light up. He gets up from the table. He comes over. Shakes my hand. He goes, we watch you guys every night. I'm like, what? What do you mean you watch us every night? You're in Edmonton. Oh, yeah, every night at 9.30. Sportsline. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh. Right. So it's at 9.30 in Edmonton. He's watching it. They're watching it live on the satellite. He tells me that Essa Tikkanen's got a dish at his apartment building. And Ugh. there's a big hassle because you weren't supposed to put a satellite dish up at an apartment building. But he put one up on his balcony. And had to, it has to have a southern exposure or a western or eastern exposure. So that you can, you know, the satellite can be pointed a certain way. Right. And they, they all chipped in or whatever it was. So a few players had, excuse me, had satellite dishes. These big satellite dishes. And Gretzky's telling me, we watch all the time. And, and if we don't see the game, if we're on the road or something like that, we'll tape it. And then we'll watch it the next morning at practice when we're on the bike. <clears throat> so I can imagine this. And he's telling me the whole team. So I can see Gretzky, Messier, Lowe, Glenn yes. Anderson, Grant Fuhrer, Charlie Huddy. I mean, all these guys. Larry Curry. <clears throat> yeah, Marty McSorley. <laughs> all these guys. All of them are sitting there watching our show from Toronto Amazing. doing hockey highlights, right? And McSorley, I'm sure, is like, you know, his dad is watching in Cayuga, Ontario, Bill and his family going, I hope we got off high. Have we, did Marty get into a fight? Yeah. Have we got Marty? Did Marty get an assist? How many did Wayne get? Fights. So anyway, he comes <laughs> up to me. Anyway, you just never know, folks. You just never know. He said, we watch you every night. You got a great show. I had no idea. I was flabbergasted. And Gretzky was like a PR guy for Sportsline. He told everybody about that. Everybody said, oh, you guys got to check out this show, Sportsline of Toronto. It's on the satellite, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I think he was trading. I think he was trading VHS tapes. I, I bet you. I think he had VHS tapes of, <laughs> of Sportsline. And I know that he watched the Hebsey Awards. They'd record the Hebsey Awards. Of course. So I'm thinking, here's, I bet you Gretzky's got like all kinds of tapes of the Hebsey Awards somewhere. I got to get those. Now, speaking, so you mentioned <clears throat> C-band dish and somebody on the Periscope says yeah. that even though this individual had perfect terrestrial reception in Milton. Still, he, he watched you on the, uh, his C-band dish. Because he watched the backhaul feed. There were no commercials. You would hear what was going on behind the scenes. That's amazing. <clears throat> you could hear what was going on. So while we were in commercial, 
Um, unless our audio guy turned our mics down, which normally didn't do it because you keep communication that way, right? You're off the air. I mean, you're not on the air, you're in commercial. Right. But if he left our mics up, which they always did, you'd hear the chatter, the conversation that was going on between me and Jim or the floor manager or the camera people or whatever. It's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I saw something similar on YouTube recently with you doing a hockey game and then we could we could hear the live feed between the commercials. It was pretty I heard damn about good. That. I heard about that. Was that, when, was that the night I interviewed Gretzky? Yes. Uh, that's the night you interviewed Gretzky. Yeah. Yep. So, so I just watched this like two weeks ago. <clears throat> so let me tell you the final part of this story before okay. my voice completely goes. <laughs> that game in Los Angeles. We're doing a game in LA. Yeah. That's called the back hall feed. Okay. So what happened was, is they've got a feed um, whereby I'm waiting in the studio between periods. So Joe, Joe and Harry are done, and uh, they go to commercial, and then the next 15 minutes is going to originate from the studio, which is next door to, between the dressing rooms in most arenas. A little makeshift studio where you put a little backdrop there and you set the cameras up. So Gretzky's my, uh, the, the, always the home team player was interviewed in the first intermission. Now this isn't like they do it now with Kyle Bukakis or... Mark Masters or whatever, where when the player comes off, as soon as he comes off the ice, they roll the camera and they, and they tape a 60 or 70 second interview with the guy. I mean, usually two questions, maybe three tops. Sweaty player interview, but it's in the corridor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in, the, in my day, they would come into the studio. The player would sit down and the interview would be five minutes or six minutes long. You might have a couple highlights for him to go over. <clears throat> and they're sweating like crazy. And Gretzky was known as a, he would sweat profusely. And try to imagine Wayne and, and that nose of his, okay? And imagine sweat running off of his forehead, right. down his nose, to the tip of his nose, but not falling off his nose. There's a drib there. There's a little... There's Just a, hanging there's a, there. Yeah, it's hanging off the end of the nose. <laughs> and you're listening to what he has. I'm listening to what he has to say. But I'm also looking at this ball of sweat. And I want to, like, flick the ball of sweat off of his nose. Because I know that if the ball of sweat falls off his nose, it's going to fall right onto my pants, because I'm sitting very close to him in a little two shot, and my left knee—I'm on—I'm on camera left. My left knee <clears throat> is right butted up, right up against his right shin pad, and he's sweating, and his sweat is drip dripping on my pants. And what do you say to Wayne Gretzky? What do you say to the guy? Can you stop dripping on my pants? No. And every time he goes to wipe his forehead, another another ball of sweat magically appears and runs down his nose. Anyway, the interview is five minutes long. I don't remember. I don't remember how the interview went. It's just typical. It was fine. But I do remember at the end of the interview, he. He shakes my hand. Now, he's had his hand in the hockey glove, uh, okay, this hockey glove. And now, you don't refuse. You know, in those days, there were no fist bumps or whatever. You, he, right. he goes to shake. After the interview, he shakes my thanks. Sure. He goes to shake my hand. And now, and, and look, let's face it. I mean, ugh. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Wayne and Lee. God, and you wipe your hand and kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you're, it's been in his glove all this time. So this, this is my... My Wayne Gretzky encounter. Anyway, episode 99 brought to you by the great one, Wayne Gretzky, of whom I had had many encounters, all all pleasant ones, except for the time that I had to get my pants dry cleaned and the dry cleaner said, I'm sorry, I, I can't get that out. Right, but it's it, the great one sweat. It was so. the great one sweat. I didn't keep the pants. Uh, he was nice enough to autograph a jersey for me, which I have framed at home. Nice. And uh, episode 99 is dedicated to the great Wayne Gretzky. And that's it for Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Performance Blades. All the top NHL players wear them. You should, too. They bring the pro shop to you. Go to TitanBlades, T-Y-D-A-N, Blades.com. Our trivia question, brought to you by Panthers Original Deli at 3856 Bathurst Street. Wayne Gretzky's first coach in professional hockey was? The coach of the Indianapolis <clears throat> Racers. That's correct. Wayne Gretzky played eight games with the Indianapolis Racers from October 14th to October 29th, 1978. He was 17 years old. His coach was? Couldn't tell you to save my From the same hometown as George Washington Orton, Strathroy, Ontario. Nicknamed Whitey. Defenseman, all-star defenseman for the Chicago Blackhawks. Member of Team Canada 72. Wayne Gretzky's first coach in the professional hockey. Who was it? Pat Stapleton. Pat Stapleton. That's right. Pat Stapleton of the Indiana Indianapolis Racers. That's a great trivia question because I bet you nobody knows who was coaching that Indianapolis Racers team. I think I, I, I had to remind Pat Stapleton that he was his <laughs> first coach. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, that's it for our trivia. And that's it for edition number 99 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. My new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard of, is gaining traction. In fact, I just found out today I'll be doing an audio book version of it. Uh, I'm going to be recording it in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be out there. So instead of reading, 
and maybe your eyes get tired, you can listen to my uh, mellifluous tone. I'll make sure my throat is good and clear. Honey works for me. Uh, and if you want, uh, go to HebsyOnSports.com. You can order the book from there, or you can order it via Indigo or Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Or just contact me, and I can arrange to get an autographed copy to you because I know the author. And by the way, and I can say this, it makes a great Father's Day gift. Great idea. Because really, Dad, what does Dad need more than anything else? He needs to read a good story. And personalized mm. by the author, That's Mark right. Hebshire, that is a fantastic Father's Day gift. Thanks. I appreciate that. I might get one for my dad. No, he's read it already. Uh, as always, if you like what you hear on the uh, podcast, by all means, write us a nice review so that others can discover and enjoy Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to our sponsors, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club, Titan Performance Blades, and Panzer's Original Deli. I'm Mark Hepsher. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another edition very shortly. Until then, so long for now. <laughs>